You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 245 of Podcateers. In this episode, we discuss the latest Pixar Spark Shorts called Smash and Grab and Kipple. We also talk about the latest trailer for Frozen 2 and how it made us see Elsa a little differently. Plus, we wrap up this month's talks on Disney California Adventure with a little armchair imagineering. Remember that you can join the conversation by dropping us a message on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 245 or by connecting with us on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. If you'd like to do the YouTube thing, you can also check out our channel. Just search for Podcateers. We'd love it if you took a moment to subscribe and maybe even hit that little bell icon for notifications whenever new videos are posted. You know, I have to say that we are blown away by some of the characters you submitted for March Mayhem this year. Thank you all for submitting your votes that has helped us put together this year's competition. By the time the next episode launches, the top 16 will have been chosen, the bracket will have been created, and the competition will be underway. Remember that we'll be giving away a prize at the end of March Mayhem, and the best way to get daily updates on who's winning will be to check the official March Mayhem page on podcateers.com. You can scroll down a bit on the homepage to find the March Mayhem logo that will take you to that page. The bracket and the rules for the prize will also be on that page, so make sure to take a look at that. Of course, you can also follow us on social media for daily updates. Before we get this ball rolling, I have to take a moment to send a shout out to our podcast Fairy Godparents, or as they like to call themselves, the FGP Squad, because it's their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. For more info on how you can become a part of the FGP Squad, you can head over to podcateers.com FGP. Finally, if you're like me and like to do your shopping on Amazon, you can help us out tremendously by starting off your next purchase at podcateers.com Amazon. On that page, you'll find an Amazon button that you can click to take you to Amazon's homepage using our special referral link. Then anything you buy may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon for mentioning them on this podcast. If you're already using this process, we'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, you just want to listen to the podcast. Okay, you've convinced me. Let's do this. Here is episode 245 of Podcateers. Um, honestly, just making the magical map. Right on. <laughs> nice. But nice. because it was so busy. Was it? Yeah, for Saturday. Because it hasn't, it, it wasn't raining. That's why. Yeah, it was like the first nice Saturday in a long time. Well, that in the competition, they had a lot oh, of dance yeah, competitions the, going uh, on. Cheerleading competitions and whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, it was like uh, roving yeah. packs of teenage cheerleaders like everywhere. It was crazy. Yep. Got yeah. it. So, and I think uh, World of Colors back now too, right? So, yes. And Sensational. So there's like all these reasons for people to be there and the weather. So it was, yeah, it was crowded. We were there for about five or six hours and mm-hmm. did one attraction Ooh. and really just um, met up with some friends. We had some dinner and that was about all we got to do. Hmm. Yeah, you just got to make the best out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. we went in thinking... You know, let's just do one thing. Whatever's extra is just extra. That's cool. But, um, yeah, really crowded. I I couldn't even take video of myself because I wanted to do one 
to promote uh, March Mayhem. I couldn't. I couldn't find a spot and I couldn't hear myself. So <laughs> fail on my end. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I guess since Melissa's bringing it up, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been submitting their eight choices for March Mayhem. It's been great seeing how many people have submitted their favorites. While we were uh, asking for people to post something, somebody said, if Mickey doesn't win, the bracket will have been busted. And I was thinking about that. And I guess something like this does tend to favor somebody like Mickey because most people will either say that he's their favorite or they might feel guilty and not vote for their favorite and vote for Mickey so that he ends up winning because he's like the popular vote, right? Right. But I just want to be clear about this. Vote for who you like. Just yeah. because it's Both Mickey Mouse doesn't character. mean he has to be your favorite. Yeah. I don't even have him on my list. Yeah, yeah most I, people didn't. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the great thing about tournaments, especially single elimination tournaments, is it's exciting when an underdog beats somebody they're not supposed to beat. Yeah. You know, yeah. It becomes, in sports, they even call it a Cinderella story when that uh-huh. happens. So. Yeah, bring it on, man. Mickey's not guaranteed to win, and that's I just mean, we, fine. Who? Okay, everyone loves Mickey. That's that's a given, pretty much. Like you said, the underdogs. I I want to see more of that. I really do. Yeah. And I'm seeing some names, and I'm like, dang, why didn't I pick this person? I know. Or whatnot, <laughs> and it's exciting. I know. <laughs> nice. Now I don't remember if we decided like in this phase can. Can us three, can we submit our eight characters to get oh, yeah. them included in the database? Why not? Yeah. Okay. It's not like it's All going right. to affect the. I mean, in, in some cases, maybe our vote will be the tiebreaker for certain ones. But, I mean, we have favorite characters too. So why wouldn't we submit yeah. ours? Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. So I need to, I, I just thought of that right now. I need to come up with my eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I've been bouncing around my eight. I haven't officially submitted them yet, but I do think that I have my eight locked down as far as voting is concerned. And I'm going to be posting those on either the last post that we did for it or Mm -hmm. one of the upcoming posts this week. If you haven't had a chance to submit your eight, don't worry. We will be posting this again on our Instagram account. In case you're not following us, just search for Podketeers. P-O-D-K-E-T-E-E-R-S. You're going to have about the next week to submit your eight until March 1st. At that point, we're going to tally up all of the results and we're going to create the bracket next weekend because we officially start on March 4th. Now, at that point, we are going to post the final bracket on podcateers.com slash March Mayhem 2019. You'll be able to go download it, print it, or even just, you know, write on it on your phone or something, however you want to do it, but post a picture of it and tag us so that we can see what your prediction is. Because whoever gets the closest as far as all of the eliminations and whoever gets the winner will get a prize. So remember, you got to get closest with all of the eliminations and your winner. It's not just predicting the winner. We're going to make it a little, uh, a little challenging for all of you. But mm-hmm. the winner will be announced at the end of March Mayhem. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Business is about to pick up. 
It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, again, you have until March 1st, which is a Friday, to submit that. We'll be posting on social media. Shoot us a message on Twitter, Instagram, post it on Facebook. And so if you have your eight, submit them so we can create our bracket. And let's get ready to bracket. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. So speaking of major players in the bracket, let's talk about Queen Elsa for a second, can we? All right. Let's do it. Sure. Because Frozen 2's trailer has now been out for a little bit of time. And Mm -hmm, I've seen it mm -hmm. a few times. And I remember the very first day that it came out and we posted it on the Instagram account. My first thought watching this was, man, this sounds like an Avengers trailer. It sounds like there's going to be some <laughs> action happening. Right. And I think that's kind of the consensus, right? I think that's what we all took from it. Am I right? Uh, yeah. yeah, it looks like they're yeah. trying to be more <laughs> epic for sure. Um, it looks pretty. And I'm being nice. <laughs> I knew there was going to be some naysaying as far as this trailer is concerned. <laughs> and so I want to get your thoughts because I saw an interesting video that's related to this trailer. And I'll talk a little bit about it. But what are your initial thoughts on the trailer at this point? It does look nice. I'm not going to be running to the theater to see it. I'm, I'm good with Frozen. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those that love Frozen. But I'm going to be very nice about it. Um, I mean, it does look really, really like the details I've seen um, on Elsa's shirt or her top that, you know, hey, I, I will give it to the animators. That looks like just the details. So I, I will say that. Okay. What about you, Gavin? Um, I do like the movie Frozen. It, it took me a while to come around to it. Um that being said, I have major issues with the animation in Frozen. And that's what makes me um, skeptical of the Frozen 2 idea. And the teaser trailer that we got only strengthened my skepticisms because although the environments look like they've advanced like the rest of Disney animation, I really feel like the characters looked like they were cut and paste from 2013 and the character animation is my biggest problem with frozen. It is, it was a step backward in the timeline of Disney animation. And I don't even think there's any question about that. So I'm really hesitant to be excited about it. Uh, that being said, I'll be there opening weekend for sure. I mean, I just, I'm such a nut about Disney animation. I mean, my only other reservations are the fact that I'm tired of sequels is, is what it is. And this is to me, the most blatant example of just a money grab sequel because the story itself did not need any sequel and it wasn't intended originally as more than one film. And if it wasn't the highest grossing animated film of all time, they wouldn't have done a sequel for it. So I, I just, I don't like the trend and we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but uh, man, I'm so, so skeptical, but I was so hyped about Frozen before it came out and I was disappointed by it. Maybe being so skeptical of it now and having a very low bar, maybe it can exceed those low expectations and I can come out pleased. I don't know. One more thought. The strength of Frozen 
hands down is the music, the soundtrack, those amazing yeah. songs that they created, which are legendary at this point. Not a single sung word in this trailer. I think with trailer two, we have to have an indication of the music because this doesn't come across as even being from the same universe to me as the original did. So those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, I can. I understand what you're saying about no music in this one as far as anything that they were singing. But I think what they were really trying to get across in this one was that it was going to be more action-packed than the first one, that they're going on an adventure for something. Obviously, the question is, what are they in search of? And Mm -hmm. none of us have any more information than what anybody else saw. But there was a video by Super Carlin Brothers, big YouTubers, that I was watching this last week where they actually got into Norse mythology and started looking at all of the symbols and how, in this case, the snowflake that we appear to see isn't necessarily a snowflake but possibly a compass. And also Mm. the fact that the logo itself isn't completely ice the way that it was in the first movie, that it's a combination of rock that leads up to ice. So it looks like they're going into snow-capped mountains. Uh, The fact that Elsa's trying to, you know, cross the the ocean and she's trying to you know outmaneuver the waves somehow looks like she's training for something and obviously it's part of her training for this epic adventure that they're going to go on which looks to be that they're going to go on an adventure to figure out how Elsa got her powers and quite possibly if one Anna also has powers that just haven't been discovered or if any other children in the area or in the world have the same type of powers. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what captivated me the most is that it in my head triggered that superhero element for me that took it out of frozen and somehow made it more of a superhero movie to me. Yeah. And it, I, I bet it was the music and just the elements and the, the sharp cuts that they did very different to how they edited the first frozen film and that in itself i think is what made me really want to see this one remember when it first came out it took me a bit to watch it but by the time that i did it was frozen fever and i was already kind of sick of it to be honest with you so it Mm -hmm. took me a while to really come around to realizing that it's actually a good film and i love the music I'm one of the very few people that will ever admit that I actually like Olaf's Frozen Adventure and I like the music, even though it's so long. But this one, I don't necessarily think that it could have that it needs to be a whole second film. You know, maybe it could have been a short or maybe it could have been like a direct to Blu-ray release or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it'll surprise us and maybe we'll get something that truly is epic because I agree with you. The characters themselves, we didn't see any advancement. The oceans and, and the waves just are are gorgeously animated. Like, right. I looked at it, and I was yeah. drooling just from, like, the animator inside of me. Yeah. But I get it. it. It really does feel like this was originally meant to be, like, a release to Blu-ray, and they said, you know what? No, let's just put it out in the theater. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think your initial instincts are, are interesting, though, because really... Elsa is a superhero. I mean, she's kind of a crossover superhero princess because she's, 
I mean, the only other character I can think of that has powers that's not a villain would be like Hercules, and he was part god, you know? Like, yeah. she's yeah. the first one with superhero-style powers. I mean, she 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 just has powers. So it it's kind true. of is a fairy tale about a superhero. Mm. So it makes sense that you would have that kind of reaction to it. Um, I don't think in terms of superheroes, so it, it didn't strike that same chord with me. But now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense. How dare you speak ill of Snow White's power to speak to animals? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess Kronk can too. That's true. <laughs> but really, it's usually just the villains that have powers, you know, and it's always dark yeah. powers, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's never, you know, I guess they kind of portray Elsa as a villain in the first half of the movie. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting because you could totally call her a superhero. So it'll be interesting when the next teaser or the next trailer drops. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. Now I'm curious about the music for the next one. The yeah. crazy thing is, is that that movie doesn't come out until after Thanksgiving. So, like, how many more trailers are we going to get if they've already released one? Like, Twelve. It's just insane. Like, We'll probably get one in the summer. After In summer. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> or during, inf- um, I almost called it Infinity War. Uh, during Endgame, we'll get an extended trailer. And that'll be the one that you leads us through the summer. think it'll be an Endgame? Or not Maybe. Toy Story 4? We just determined it, she's a superhero. Oh, I mean, that's I true. I guess, but they <laughs> typically don't, uh, you know, do a cartoon preview at a action movie. Yeah. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll probably be a Toy Story. You're right. And then that'll be the one that carries us pretty much through the whole summer. And then we'll get one more teaser right before it launches like a month or so before yeah yeah and then boom release and let the let the elsa flurry happen again (laughs) all over california adventure and disneyland well interestingly (laughs) enough it it and it's kind of out of a morbid fascination more than anything i'm looking forward to frozen 2 more than i am to toy story 4 and that's oh, interesting. mostly because I'm pretty ambivalent about Toy Story 4. Like, eh, okay, give us Toy Story 4. I'm sure it'll be no, fine. I but, totally get it. I totally I mean, it, get it. If it it's got to be so dynamite to really knock my socks off and impress me because, I mean, where else can they go but down from the trilogy we have already? You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I know. They already made us cry. It's like, what yeah. else can you do? I mean, again, I'll be there opening weekend. Uh, <laughs> I will. And I'll probably be eating my words. But uh, right now, I'm looking forward to Frozen 2 considerably more than Toy Story 4. My biggest fear about Toy Story 4 is that depending on how they frame it, and if this turns out to be furthering Bonnie's story as they did Andy's with the first three, that Mm -hmm. it's going to open up the floodgates to another two or three Toy Story movies because, well, now Bonnie's the owner, and they're just going to water down the franchise so much that it's going to cheapen the value and the characters in general. Well, it's kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise now. It's like we're going to continue on with new characters. Like, who cares? Yeah, I dropped off after Pirates 9. (laughs) 
the land before pirates. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I've been thinking a thought lately. It's it's been rattling around my brain, and it's kind of a uh, it's a thought that I've been struggling with. And I feel like Toy Story four and Pixar Pier kind of live in this same box together, and it's this John Lasseter box where in the last couple of years of his reign, he was really trying to just push his legacy out there as much as possible and get Pixar to be everywhere. And, you know, I feel like he's the one that forced Toy Story 4, you know, because it was his brainchild, and he's the one that forced Pixar Pier. And I don't think, at least we can see Pixar Pier for the most part. I don't think that the rest of the company was inspired by Pixar Pier. You know, I think that was, you know, pressured from the top. And what we're seeing as a result is kind of a slapdash, like, okay, here's Pixar stuff, you know, decaled on top of Paradise Pier. And it it doesn't come off as a cohesive theme. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like Toy Story 4 is the same way. It's like they're they're going to finish it out because they were so far into it. But... I don't know. I I think that there's something to be said for somebody having too much power or not having anybody keep them in check. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing is the last results of unchecked power. And hopefully with new leadership, we won't see that. And it's hard because, you know, I I still respect so much of what John Lasseter created Mm -hmm. and am inspired by it. But at a certain point, you can see now that we look back, you can kind of see how some things kind of started to go off the rails. And when, you know, things aren't kept in balance, then you get weird decisions like Pixar Pier, which I think is a it still mystifies me, like the decision to do that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Without anybody there to tell him, hey, this isn't a great idea. It's going to get made. But more right. importantly, how many people would he have listened to if they right. told him it was a bad idea? You know, mm-hmm. when he was yeah. still there running things, it was, well, John can do no wrong. You know, yeah. whatever John creates is gold. Look what he's done for the animation industry. We have to trust him. Yeah. And so I, I get what you're saying. And that's going to become apparent later when we do armchair imagineering. So keep that in mind when we talk about Pixar Pier and my part of this. Ooh, intrigue. (laughs) (laughs) So let us know what you guys think to kind of wrap this around. Tell us what you guys think about the Frozen 2 trailer that's out there. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, I'm going to post it in the blog post for the episode. Check it out at pocketeers.com slash 245. Leave us a comment in the blog post or on Instagram or Facebook. You know, how do you feel about it? Are you looking forward to it? Were you a fan of the first Frozen? Uh, or are you kind of on Gavin's side on this one and you just think, you know, there it doesn't need to happen? You know, and tell us why you don't think it needs to happen. So that I, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting conversation around that one. Yeah. So uh, since we're on the topic of Pixar and films and animation, uh, let's touch a little bit on Spark Short since we didn't get a chance to do that in the last episode. Sweet. Uh, since we last spoke about it, two more Spark Shorts have been released, Smash mm-hmm. and Grab and Kit Bull. Let's start with Smash and Grab. Gavin, do you want to kick this one off? 
Sure, I'm the sci-fi guy. This is right <laughs> up my alley. So, yeah, Smash and Grab is a little sci-fi vignette um, in classic short film tradition. There's no dialogue, so all of the storytelling is told through whatever emotions they can express through a couple of robots that are mute and basically don't have facial expressions. It's pretty awesome the way they do it. And it's a story about a a robot named Smash who smashes and a robot named Grab who grabs. And they're working in the, uh, like the coal car of a futuristic train. And uh, one smashes the coal, breaks it up and tosses it to Grab and Grab tosses it in the uh, furnace and the futuristic train goes. It's kind of weird that they're still using combustion in this super futuristic scenario, but uh, it looked like it was really spacey, like futuristic coal because it had like glowy bits. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Anyway, they're in this little scenario and, and as they're traveling, uh, they can see where some of these destinations are that they're passing and they see some more advanced, like futuristic machines that are allowed to connect on a more personal level and they realize that in their little car, they're tethered together or they're tethered to their spots and they can't really reach each other to touch each other. So long story short, they find a way to like smash and grab their way out of their drudgery and, you know, link up together and walk off into the sunset at the end. And in the middle, there's a little battle with like some security droids and things like that. And you know, it's a really interesting little piece. And you can see the young animators that created this, you know, exploring how to tell stories. And I think it really speaks to the purpose of Spark Shorts. And, you know, the entire tradition of shorts at Pixar is that's what it's there for, is to get people's feet wet in creating animated stories. And, you know, this one has, you know, it could use a little bit of, work it's not you know the perfect film that i was hoping it might be but it's really good and it's definitely worth a watch um the animation's really beautiful i was i really liked some of the conceptual stuff like the trains and how they go vertical up those tracks when they reach yeah. their destinations and mm-hmm. it's kind of this cool like almost like mars colony setting that they're on uh, i liked all of that and it was cool i i, I dug it i got a little bit of everything that we spoke about sci-fi movie wise mm-hmm. but i got the sounds of tomorrowland like oh it yeah just, it, it brought me back to that which is really mm-hmm. cool um but i got to see a little bit of wally actually mm-hmm. we didn't get to really talk about wally mm-hmm. but i got a little bit of tron mm-hmm. because of the power um the energy sources on the backs yep i thought that was really cool that was yeah. cool well even that um, train because they have those like Cargo trains in, in yeah. Tron Legacy, yeah. And the color scheme, how they express themselves, um, I thought it was really, really cool. But I love the message, how one was able to sacrifice the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, one was sacrifice themselves. Sorry, excuse yeah. me. Ooh, no one sacrificed anybody but themselves. But to help that other one, you know, get out and do their thing. Like to rescue and to get out, to get away from the usual, the norm, because mm-hmm. they want to go out there. They want to be with the other robots. So seeing that story 
I thought it was really, really cool because it just became like teamwork. You're my ride ride or die. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought it was really cool. I really did. Here's what I realized about the spark shorts. And it, it feels like people tend to get out of the spark shorts what they're currently seeing out in the world happening in front of them at times. Sure. Because I feel like the first time that I saw Smash and Grab, I felt one way. The second time I saw it, which was maybe five days later, I felt something different. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would feel the same way watching it now because now in my head is the context of how I felt those last couple of times. But it kind of feels like, to me, Smash and Grab was... Uh, a, a telling of a tale of how the grass is greener on the other side. You sure. know, you're, yeah. you, there's turmoil, you're, you work hard, but sometimes you're afraid to jump and do something that, you know, may or may not be prosperous. And at one point, uh, I think it's Smash that just decides, nope, this is happening. Yep. Right. And yeah. it's that little spark that you get that will ignite you into doing something that's possibly going to change your life. That is exactly what I got out of this. Uh, even though there could be times that there are things standing in front of you, there are things in the way that will prevent you from possibly reaching that next plateau, like the fight that we saw on the train. Mm-hmm. You can get through it. And that's what this was to me. It was a film about perseverance and advancement. Mm-hmm. You know, that's ultimately yeah. what I took out of this. And yes, the animation was great. It was cool how they were playing their little game to like trying to make it, you know, into <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the furnace and uh, Grab just kept missing. And then he just celebrates <laughs> when he finally does it. Yep. Super cute. You know, I think how expressive they can make these objects is just one of the things that I love about how Disney uh, teaches their animators, you know, mm-hmm. to do this type of stuff. It, it, it certainly spoke to me uh, in that sense, but it was also felt like a story of no man left behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it was more emotional than I thought it was going to be when I was watching it. But overall, I, I love all the details, all the futuristic things that you talked about, Gavin, like the train tracks shooting up in the sky and everything. I love the Orby things, you know, the, mm-hmm. the power yeah. source. Right. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> the, the whole compromise at the end, I think, I, I think was pretty cute as well. So. Yeah, and that's kind of the key of that story, too, is that, you know, they did it together and they -hmm. were going to make it out together or not at all. And, you know, when they were in their workspace, they were tethered to their stations and couldn't reach each other. But after the struggle to get out and the sacrifice that Smash makes to save Grab, he sacrifices one of their two power sources. So at the end, they share a power source and they're tethered together. So they're in it to win it as a team at that point. And it's (laughs) it's great. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. Uh, Kipple. This was a a lot different than the other shorts so far. It was very uh, Ivan Earl-esque in the backgrounds that were painted. Hmm. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, they, they use very static painted backgrounds to tell the story because it allowed the characters themselves 
to tell more of the story without a busy background. Yeah. Sure. What, what did you guys think about that? I liked it because you got to focus more on the characters because, again, there's no dialogue. So you had to rely on their actions to figure out what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're feeling. So I really liked that their the background was just still because you were able to focus more on them. Yeah, it was um, artistically to me, it was a bit shocking to see a 2D animated mm-hmm. uh, offering from Pixar. That was that was very strange and. You know, it's kind of in the tradition of Paperman and Feast, you know, a couple of shorts from Disney uh, in its style. And I, I do like that. I like the lighting choices that they chose and the textures on the environments because it looks almost like a painting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where you're getting that Ivan Durrell feel, Hazen. And, uh, you know, I, I do like that. And I think this one tells a little bit more rich of a story and you know again though no dialogue because the characters are a cat and a pit bull and you know they don't speak and so we kind of just learn about this uh meeting this encounter and then this uh relationship as it grows into a friendship and then you know even blossoms beyond that into them finding a better situation for their lives yeah so you know the the way that this is one of you know the um frank thomas and ollie johnston with their uh you know book explaining the you know the art of animation and the 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 secret that brings everything to life like Mm -hmm. to me that's one level of the magic of animation the other is the way that animation tells stories it's, it's different than any other format. And the fact that they can do a story like this, and I don't feel like I have any questions whatsoever after I watch it. You know, they told everything you need to know about these two little animals, what they go through, how they begin to relate to each other, how they bond, and then they're happily ever after at the end. And I think that that is truly magic. Yeah. It was interesting also to see that if you don't have pets or if you're a a quote unquote dog person or a quote unquote cat person, you don't always tend to see the mannerisms of the other species. And this short did such a great job and was so expressive with how the animals acted towards each other, Mm -hmm. with each other, and against each other. Mm -hmm. And I I thought when you brought up the illusion of life and how they talk about animation and how expressive it is, this went through every one of those steps. It had every single one in how they, they put this thing together. This type of animation is, I think the more experimental stuff that I wish Disney did. This yeah. was, I, I. it's kind of like their, I'm not going to say it's their Into the Spider-Verse because the stories are totally on a different level when it comes to this storytelling and that storytelling. This two-dimensional film or this two-dimensional short, I enjoyed it so much because it felt like I was watching a children's picture book. 
Mm-hmm. The entire thing didn't feel like an animated film. It felt like I was flipping through the yeah. pages of a children's book reading to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it was animated in that way. The fact that it was 2D also helped. The painted backgrounds, the just the general textures, which looks like they were just kind of splotchy. And when reactions happened, they would just pause just this extra millisecond that made you realize you were watching an animation and it it doesn't seem like it's a long time but your brain picks it up and you Mm. realize they're not moving in full motion this is not a 24 frames per second film or 60 frames per second high definition 4k film this is a 12 frames per second film and that that little bit of lag really helped push through that it was this fairly dark children's story that we mm-hmm. were watching. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I didn't even think about that. Like a flip book. I, now that you said that, I'm like, yeah, you, you totally see that. Yeah. I really <sighs> like that about it. Uh, again, if you haven't had a chance to see them, we created a playlist that we're posting in the blog post for these episodes whenever we talk about it. I'll update the playlist to include both Smash and Grab and Kipple. Put it in the blog post, podcasters.com slash 245 if you guys want to check it out. And then uh, let us know what you guys think of them. You know, either both or or either one of them. How did it make you feel? And do you agree with anything that we said? Or is there a different feeling that you had that we didn't even consider? You know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Also, just a note that pretty much all of these I would consider least PG. So um, watch them before you let your kids watch them and decide if uh, it's appropriate or not. Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah. All right. Well, before we continue, I do want to mention that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you in part by the generosity of our podcast fairy godparents, or as they like to call themselves, the FGP Squad. If you want a little bit more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad, you can head on over to podcasters.com slash FGP. If you sign up for a contribution of at least $5 monthly, you also get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. So again, we just want to send a huge thank you and a shout out to the entire FGP squad. Gavin, how's your Audible experience going, buddy? Welcome to Audible Corner with Gavin Otteson. Uh, (laughs) it's going very well uh i'm nearing the end of my first uh audible book uh, which was the walt disney biography by neil gabler and i can officially announce that i have downloaded my second book and can't wait to get started i'm very excited about it it has nothing to do with disney so i won't bore you with the details but it speaks to the vast variety of uh, Audible's catalog. Uh, it's actually a book about um, early rock and roll history that may or may not interest any of you, but you know it's totally different. So you know, as I was browsing, I found so many things I wanted to listen to. It was hard to narrow it down to what I wanted to do next. So it, if you haven't checked out Audible, you know, check it out. They're amazing. Um, you can get a free trial at audibletrial.com slash which will give you a free 30-day trial, a free book, which you get to keep forever and ever and ever, even if you do the crazy move of canceling. But 
After 30 days, you can keep it going with a small monthly fee. And it is, it has become one of my very favorite subscription services, you know, right up there with my Hulu and my Netflix and my Spotify, the necessities of life. It has become one of those. So Audible, give it a shot. I don't think you'll regret it. Well, it's one of those necessities of life. They will come to you. Right. Yes. Indeed. Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I say take advantage, man. It is one of the greatest things you will sign up for. I can't and couldn't stop talking about it until I convinced Gavin to do it. And now look, now he can't turn back. <laughs> I've gone too far. <laughs> so I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, I'm yeah. going to have to ask you about that book that you are that you downloaded next because I do like rock and roll history. All right, cool. I so will, uh, we will have to fill discuss you that. Yeah, we'll have to discuss that later. All right. Well, it's time for the main event. Are we ready? Oh, I'm so ready. (laughs) Then, for the few in attendance (laughs) and the millions listening around the world, who let's get ready to. Nope, wait, that's this a PG podcast. Can't finish that. (laughs) At least not the one I'm thinking about. Okay, so oh, in this episode, we're going to be doing some armchair imagineering for California Adventure. Uh, this month, we've concentrated on talking about DCA 1.0 and 2.0 and all the things that made DCA what it is today. And then I was a little jealous because Gavin got to quote Bob Iger's quote and I <laughs> had Michael Eisner's. But that's beyond the point. <laughs> In this episode, we're going to tell you what we would like to see a California Adventure and what we'd like to change. Who would like to kick off this armchair Imagineering part of the episode? I'll go first. All right. Let's do this, Mel. So I would actually take over Redwood Creek Challenge, and I would like to turn it into Brownstone National Park. Oh, and okay. If you're not sure, not familiar with Brownstone National Park, this comes from an old short. <laughs> Bingo, and I'm getting there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what I was thinking of having Ranger Woodlore in charge of the park, and there would be signs around that says, don't feed the bears, um, only you can prevent um, wildfires, things like that, little nods. But what I would like to see is an interaction show where they would give you the huge sacks. These, I don't know what they're called, but these little picker-upper things. I call them pokey sticks. Yes, that. And Wait, are you going to turn guests into a chain gang picking up trash on the side of the road? Yes. Almost, (laughs) but in Disney fashion. Okay. PG. I like the message. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to be real magical here. Right? It's a magical pokey thing. There we go. (laughs) So what I would like to do is to hear Ranger Woodlore kind of announce that there's litter on the floor or, you know, hey, kids, let's go ahead and help clean up the the parks, da-da-da, like a little intro. And to help it out, you would see Humphrey the Bear. I honestly think Humphrey is starting to get a little bit more love and for him to start it off and 
have these kids like come around and they're going to have like, let's say he's trying to explain what it is, but Ranger Woodlower would have to help out and explain a little bit more because, you know, Humphrey kind of mumbles. He can't really do that. So with the help of his friends, we would see some familiar faces that we had once in Disneyland, and that would be the Country Bears. Mm. And they would come out. They would show how, or they would demonstrate how to pick up litter, kind of do the little dance, and then have everybody else participate in it. I think it would be fun because not only is it interacting, but you kind of dance, you kind of have a little bit of fun, but it sends a good message too. Having that and then a meet and greet, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone because you're going to divert crowds into that area from, let's say, if it's crowded in Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Backlot or Paradise Pixar Pier, <laughs> um, something like that, kind of to help divert crowds mm-hmm. so it won't be so like congested in certain parts. So I was thinking of that kind of a thing to kind of bring in, you know, bring a little bit of love into the, the area. Mm-hmm. So that's something I've been thinking about forever. So when we had this talk about we were going to have this episode, yes, just bring Humphrey back. to Just bring him. Him and the country bears. Just do it. <laughs> all the bears. Yeah, all pretty much bears. all of them. <laughs> so, Mel, let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you, yeah. are you picturing this as like a stage show? Because the way that you describe it, I'm kind of picturing almost like the fantasy fair theater where you've got all the kids like sitting up at the front and they can kind of interact with the bears and then pick up litter up there and like all the parents behind watching like like what is it that's going to bring the crowd really because you know right now the the redwood creek challenge it draws a few people but it 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 wouldn't be what you would consider a crowd you know right draw so is it going to be like a a like an amphitheater with a show or like what, what are you envisioning there? I would like to have it as a show. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have like a little stage going on, but if mm-hmm. they could make that bigger, if they could expand that, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be pretty cool to have it like when you're talking with crush. Mm-hmm. So that kind of a thing. So they okay. would have like the benches, they would have like the little seating area for the little ones. Um, but I kind of see little ones being hesitant because no i know it's humphrey because they're big bears right yeah so i kind of see like you know hey let's have some of the adults do it i honestly if this was happening i would jump up and do it Mm. and i think it might you know kind of help out um so something like that i'm thinking we may have to remove the little cave that's in the back i didn't even know there was a cave done (laughs) <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah there I, is can i uh can i drop a little bit extra magic that i've started thinking as you were describing what you would like to do yeah okay so i think one of the biggest things that's missing at disneyland especially to people that grew up going to big thunder ranch is billy hill and the hillbillies yeah and oh. when they kind of left for that other park down the road there was a lot of people that were upset. And yeah. so if we take that concept and 
maybe add it to what you're doing. It adds that extra element of entertainment where now you have the new Billy Hill and the Hillbillies band performing with special guests, the Country Bears, and special, special guests at the end, Humphrey the Bear, and they all play the song together. And that's where you teach the kids to pick up litter. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Huh? I was just mind blown when you're describing this. I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I do like a pick up litter square dance and everybody's dancing. And one of the moves is like to reach down and pick up some trash. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, dude. The song. Have you ever seen that Humphrey cartoon? I think so. But I don't have a clear <laughs> picture in my head of what it is you guys are referring to. Here, I'm going to do you all a favor. And you, you're actually going to hate me for this right now. But I'm going to play a quick clip of it right now. So the problem with that song is that once you hear it, it's just stuck with you. It is. Not for a day, (laughs) not for a week, forever. Decades. (laughs) Okay. There's no antidote. It's stuck in your head, man. All you see is dancing bears and pokey sticks picking up paper. Yeah. And that's all that's going to be in your head. (laughs) It's a great little tune. But that little piece of the song alone, if you have a band performing it, I think they can add so much life to it. It's it's a big band type song in the actual short, which I think is called In the Bag from from like the mid 50s or something. Mm -hmm. But, oh, man. Ah, Yeah, I want to watch that show. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I think one of the most interesting concepts which you've you've brought up here is for the first time in Disney history, they're going to have to train some cast members about how to put garbage out instead of pick garbage up, <laughs> which is a decidedly anti-Disney idea. And it's kind of hilarious to think about cast members like strategically placing litter. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. That's very true. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I like that idea. I think it's perfect. And plus what you added was like, yes, that's please Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on board. All right, Gavin. All right. What would you like to do? Interestingly enough, I'm going to be imagineering in the same neighborhood as Melissa. And I am going to take over Grizzly Peak and the Redwood Creek Challenge. That whole area is going to be taken over by a single IP. And I believe that I've mentioned it before, but I think that it's prime real estate for one of my all-time favorite Pixar movies, Brave. Awesome. We already have, I mean, Mel's on the same track. We already have a bear theme. And I feel like Grizzly Peak, if you think of it the right way, can look like a menacing omen. Uh, It could represent Mordu quite easily. Mm -hmm. So my concept is basically that whole area becomes the region around um, Clan Dunross uh, village and the journey that Merida and her mom go on. So basically the area between the entrance to 
what's now Grizzly River Run and the Redwood Creek Challenge uh, would turn into that circle of stones, you know, that where all of the magic kind of emanates from in that film, right? Yeah. And so wherever you go in that area, you have to kind of cross through that intersection of stones that leads you on these various adventures. And so as you go into the queue area for um, this new attraction, which I, I don't know what to call it yet. I haven't landed on a name. I, I've, I've got a couple names rattling around. Like the easiest thing is like, Merida's Brave River Run, you know, but I don't know if that's good enough. I really can't land on a perfect name for it yet. So if you guys have ideas about that, let me know. So instead of the kind of uh, mountain fort and Eureka golden timber kind of look to all the buildings, everything's going to be remade and uh, redone to look like the stone and wood and thatch types of buildings that you see in brave and cool. so you're going to be going kind of through the village down to that circular uh turntable where they um where they load right and mm-hmm. that's going to turn into kind of just like a general water mill that kind of helps give water to the village and power its um you know whatever machinery they have and so you're going to load there. And I think we could easily redo the rafts to just kind of look like driftwood, you know, or even like wood carved, like Scottish carved, like wooden little circular boats. Like either one of those to me would kind of work as the concept. Yeah. And so then from there, when you load, as you kind of go around that first little lazy river section, um, you would encounter the witch's cottage. Uh, you know, you would see that kind of off to the side. And then you would you would kind of go through a range set up by Merida that she would ride through with her horse and shoot her arrows into. So you kind of get that that's where she would go out and practice. And you can see arrows shot into targets and, and it look really cool. And then you come around the corner and you uh, when you approach the lift hill... I think that there's there would be like animatronic clansmen like hoisting ropes and you know like pushing on bellows to like fuel this conveyor belt that's going to lift you up there you know so so heavy on the manpower maybe a moderate amount of maybe steam power or fired power um to kind of get you up this hill and then at the top is when you start to realize that things aren't quite right. And, you know, you start to get the story about, uh, you know, her mom being turned into a bear. And all of a sudden, you, you know, when the rapids start to hit, you start to realize, oh, my gosh, we're barreling towards Mordu's lair. And in several moments, especially in the dark cave section, you're going to encounter a huge menacing awesome mordu and he's going to be right in your face a la <laughs> uh the abominable snowman in matterhorn mountain nice. and nice. you know culminating in a last encounter between merida and mordu as you go down the very last drop i kind of picture them like on either side at the top of the hill and you know merida like 
ready to fire an arrow and him, you know, on the other side, like really menacing. And then, you know, you go down the last hill and, you know, it kind of finishes off from there. But that's not where this idea ends. So part of Grizzly Peak's um, enchantment for me is the fact that there's that kind of back road, that little mountain trail that you can go on. So that's going to become an area where you can kind of explore this IP a little further. And, you know, as you go through there, you'll see more buildings and ruins uh, made of stone, more runes and Scottish lore kind of markers along the way. And as you look up into the trees and, you know, in rock crevices, you'll actually see wisps. Will of the Wisps glowing in different spots, you know, appearing here and there and, and disappearing and, you know, like a really cool, like subtle effect. Like you'll be walking and, you know, one will appear out of the corner of your eye. It, it won't be like a constant thing. So you'll have to really keep your eyes peeled for them. That's cool. Um, I like you that. know, and having, you know, all of that cool like Celtic style music going in this whole area kind of sets the mood for all of this stuff. And, you know, kind of takes it out of that, like, dude, we're going rafting, bro, kind of thing that they've got going right now, which I yeah. think is is not the most strong theme that they've ever come up with uh, for an attraction. So I think we could easily inject all of this stuff into it, you know, and create the feeling of something entirely new on that cool ride system. I think it's a great ride system. It's really fun. And, you know, you can inject uh, characters that are familiar and that people love. And I just think that it could be a really thrilling story-driven ride that, you know, it's just thrilling now. There's no story to it. You know, I think they could add story and it would be really interesting. So across the way at the Redwood Creek Challenge, I would kind of, in a lot of ways, keep it the same except I would I would retheme it to, you know, kind of match what's across the way, you know, so you bring in some Celtic ruins and structures and things like that. But it's much more of a, uh, you've got to catch the triplets who are all bears, you know, and spot them. They're going to be like up in trees and, you know, making mischief all over the place. You know, I kind of think like a lot of gags, kind of like Toontown, where they're yeah. going to be like trying to pull tricks on you and stuff along the way and like hide from you and, you know, make things happen that you don't expect. So it's more of a, you know, kind of journey to try and find them. And then, of course, you would have like a really cool area to do a meet and greet with Merida, who used to have a really cool spot over in the it's a small world mall and they yep. kind of did up a little area for her with like targets and stuff and i thought it was a really neat little spot but now she kind of is just shoved up against a railing in fantasy fair or you know there's not like a a neat place for her and i to me i love merida i think she's a fantastic character and i love that story and i think if she had a a real area of her own. I think that would be cool. And I think that could draw a lot of people like, you know, a lot of the other character meets meet and greets can. So to me, like having that sprawling kind of redo of that entire area of both of those attractions 
gives that area some weight. You know, it gives you, to me, it gives you a real reason to walk all the way around that mountain and to do a little more exploring because that back trail, especially it's neat and it, it's cool to see like once or twice, but I don't feel like I, I go back often to kind of look for new things. And I think they could really do some heavy theming back there with some special effects that would really keep people exploring. And, you know, that can be a great diversion style attraction is just walking that trail and looking at things. And I don't know. I I think that the IP revolution is going to be ongoing, just like Bob Iger told us it would be uh, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with DCA being more heavily themed on Pixar than Disneyland, I think it just makes sense to inject more Pixar IP over there. And I think it's a match made in heaven. Man, there's there's ah, there's just so much there that I think would fix a lot of that area. Like you said, there's not a lot of reason to go back. I think that as parents, we personally tend to use that area as uh, just kind of a kickback zone sure. yeah. that's just away from the crowds where the kids can continue running because regardless of where your batteries are, theirs are always at full charge. <laughs> so this gives us an opportunity to sit down, let them run around the trail and just burn off 10% of that battery. <laughs> Grizzly River Run, you're right, man. It is sorely lacking any type of theming. Yeah. And the fact that you would be adding animatronics to it and there's a story to it, I think would do wonders for that attraction. Uh, How do you you envision the story being told? Just kind of like going through it and then you're seeing the scenes happen? You know, I kind of picture it in a a general sense like the classic Dark Rides where you kind of see the outline of the plot. You know, it's not going to be a full retelling. It's going to be the first few scenes kind of put you in the place where, you know, you kind of know where you are in the story. And then basically once the rapids hit, it's about vanquishing Mordu and that's about it. And it's not going to be a perfect match of the plot, you know, because you're not going to have the same, you know, like Merida trying to protect her mom and then her mom like trying to protect her. And then Mordu finally being crushed by that giant stone. You know, you, you, you're not necessarily going to be able to do all of that. You could set it up that way and maybe at the top of the hill you kind of see everybody like, uh, you know, ready to like attack. You know, you've got Mordu on one side and Merida and her mom and and all the clansmen on the other side. And then maybe when you go down the hill, you see the aftermath and maybe the maybe Mordu's paws sticking out underneath a giant slab that looks like it's just fallen. You know, so you could kind of do that. But. Really, it's just the essence, you know, like so many of those dark rides are. They don't purely tell you the whole story, you know. They just kind of give you the highlights and expect you kind of to fill in the gaps or just enjoy the fact that they've kind of told you some of the story. Okay. What do you think of this then? Unlike the other dark rides, what if you made it more an immersive experience? Okay. Everyone gets bows and arrows. (laughs) That's right. And everybody shoots out at the animatronics. No. Have you seen the special featurette on the Brave Blu-ray called The Legend of Mordu? Yes. Where they basically tell the story of the villain himself. What if the attraction was 
the legend of Mordu. Okay. And yeah. as you Ooh. got into the raft, you have speakers telling you the story like long ago in the Celtic, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so now you're hearing this story and you're being led through it. And yes, you'll only see key things because of the animatronics and how they're going to strategically be placed. I like that. But you're basically being, there's a narrative to the whole thing and there's intense music and wherever, like you're, you're seeing the water splash or where you hit rapids, you know, you're hearing the chaos that happens and you eventually see Merida, uh, you know, have the fight with Mordu and, you know, come out victorious on the other end. But what if it revolved yeah. around that and had that storytelling element? That's to it? really good. I, I think that actually works better as a story. Uh, and that's why Imagineers don't work as solo acts because everybody's got different strengths and <laughs> you're the best storyteller here. So that actually leverages my visual ideas in a much yeah. better way. So I actually think that's genius. And, you know, you could still even give people like when you go through that dark cave, like there could be a flash and you, you see this animatronic of Mordu and it's just yes. part of the story because now you're start, starting <laughs> to envision it in your head and it's like, oh my gosh, there he is. And and it gives parents yeah. another reason to tell kids, nah, you better be good or else Mordu will come after <laughs> right? you. Yeah, and you can see little vignettes of the story along the way. And, and, you know, it could be, you know, Merida like, hey, come on this little journey with me. I'm going to tell you this story. We're going to, you know, we're going to we're going to have some fun. And then, you know, she gets real intense with the story. And and then at the end, you know, like, I don't know that. Oh, man, that, that could be really good. I love it. Oh, if it was Merida telling the story. Yeah, because I think it could start off with her just saying like, yeah. Yeah, like I went through cool. this crazy journey and it's all, you know, thanks to this legend that I got my way out of it. So I'm going to tell you the legend today. So, I'll, man, I think that's great. All right. I was I'm texting say, Bobby right now. We got to make this happen. Sweet. All I can imagine is going on that attraction at night. Yes. It's already frightening enough going into that cave. Yep. So, whoo, that would be, yeah, and at <laughs> night, it would be epic. Yeah, I just think of it at night, you know, you could have some like mist rolling through that back area and you just see the little blue glow of a wisp here and there. I just think they could really create some magic there. Oh, yeah. And it's not unheard of because the same technology that they use for the bioluminescence of Pandora could be used for that. 100%. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So the only (laughs) challenge I think is would be some of the transitions. So going from grizzly peak airfield to around the corner to now we're in scotland and then also going from san francisco street to scotland i think there would have to be some changes in those transitions that would help make it make sense well but i think it'd be worth you know playing with those ideas to make something like this happen the storytelling could actually help transition it so she could kind of explain what's happening so it's like you see it so it won't be so much on the physical aspect. Mm-hmm. It could be just her telling about it. Because I I mean, what you're describing, I think it'd be pretty awesome. But sometimes you just need to hear it. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about like if different. you're walking there from like Little Mermaid and you're walking mm-hmm. towards it, it will be kind of abrupt for it yeah. not to be, you know, a, a timber mill or whatever that, you know, thing is supposed what to if- be. 
Okay, yeah. so then what if it's a little bit darker on that end? So mm -hmm. it's not like it pops. Yeah. So it's a little bit darker, a little bit like, um, or just make it a little bit more foggier. Yeah. I think if they just put up some some trees in that area so that mm -hmm. you kind of have to go around the corner a little bit before you can really see that building that, w yeah. that has the lift coming out of it. Uh, just yeah. that little bit might help you transition enough to be kind of out of that San Francisco street area uh, for it to make sense or be a little less abrupt. So I, I think they could yeah. do it. I think they would just have to work on, you know, some of the sight lines and that transition in general. I think, I think you've got enough time when you're walking around from the airfield up to the entrance of that, that they could make slow transition marks along the way to kind mm -hmm. of indicate, Oh wait, all of a sudden I'm not in a national park. I'm in, scotland like what the heck yeah. you know so it would be tricky but doable it's the same way that you transition from scene to scene and soren right just quick flashes mm -hmm. and weird swish transitions right. and just think of this as a living swish transition there we go. and All lots right. of clouds so as you're walking <laughs> up clouds. that trail a whale will splash in the water and a wave will come over <laughs> you and all of a sudden you'll be in scotland yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be there could be audio playing in the background saying, you know, and now the magic of, you know, the, the whatever, mm -hmm. you know, is, is going to transport you out of the woods of Scotland into another part of the world. Yeah. And they they blast mist, you know, or they have some fog or something. And that's what you walk through. And now all of a sudden you're in civilization. Or what I if like you're it. walking and you're hearing slight. The slight uh, sound of bagpipes and it just Ooh. gets louder and louder mm -hmm. so it kind of leads you into that land mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like Ew. it <laughs> I like it I like it a lot well uh, that unfortunately is going to put a damper in my plans for California Adventure uh -oh. <laughs> because I want to keep that <laughs> well he's taking over my area so just go <laughs> but the thing well okay so I, I don't want to lose either one, so I'm going to repurpose both of them. But I'm going to leave Gavin's because I just like the fact that it's already there and I don't have to move a lot of it. <laughs> so I'm about to say something that I, I think going to anger most people. When we first discuss what we would do to California Adventure before we thought about one land or one attraction. And this one we had, it was open-ended. Mm -hmm. It was just whatever we wanted to do. So... I put a lot of thought into this. Please don't consider this cheating. I decided that uh, I'm tearing most of it down. Yeah. I, I thought about going I'm, that direction myself. Go for it. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of elements of California Adventure that I truly enjoy. And one of them is Cars Land. So I wouldn't want to lose Cars Land. The fact that most of Hollywood, the Hollywood area, everything where Bugs Lang used to be and further back is going to be developed into a Marvel-themed area, I like that as well. So if we're keeping most of it, uh, then I want to keep those two lands. Mm -hmm. But essentially everything from San Francisco all the way to the end of Pixar Pier is going down to a bulldozer. Nice. Okay. The idea behind that is that I think that area would have been much better suited for Batu. 
Mm. That entire area could have been built out in such a way where the spires, the mountains, and the trees that are being built for the back of Galaxy's Edge could have served as a berm for that outer corner of California Adventure and allowed it to hide a little bit of what was happening inside. That is something that's sorely missing from California Adventure. When they're building out the Marvel-themed area, yet to be determined what it's actually going to be called, they can do that. They can create a facade. Stark Mm -hmm. Park, yes. (laughs) They can create a facade where from the street it just looks like buildings, but from the inside it looks like you're in New York or whatever city you want to portray that surrounds that outer edge of California Adventure. By the time it reaches the back portion of Cars Land, now you have the mountains that were created for Cars Land also blocking that side on Catella, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the first thing that I would do. I would completely shift Galaxy's Edge into California Adventure. And because the the assignment was technically to add something to California Adventure, and I'm now taking what I took out of Disneyland, I think the expansion should have happened at Disneyland, and they should have built out an Epcot-like area where you're jumping from place to place. Um, but you're jumping from princess to princess, castle to castle. Okay. My original idea was to take down all of California Adventure. I honestly think that California Adventure should not have existed and Disneyland should have been expanded to begin with. Interesting. What they should have done was created a larger fantasy land and a larger uh, portion of Tomorrowland where they could have expanded it properly because that's what Disneyland is missing. Space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the fact that they ended up putting Galaxy's Edge back there instead of expanding Toontown or Fantasyland or you know Frontierland or whatever mm-hmm. they just they they broke like the the synergy that Disneyland had to itself so by expanding into California Adventure you've given yourself so much space to create these areas of fantasy and magic that you couldn't create inside of Disneyland without having to sacrifice some of the classic attractions mm-hmm. now i do want to set aside some space for Marvel and for Galaxy's Edge and whatever else that you're doing, but in that back end of California Adventure. Imagine how it would be if we expanded the Disneyland Railroad to go, eh, I don't know, somewhere right in front of maybe Grizzly Peak, where it is right now. Mm -hmm. And that everything forward where Buena Vista Street is and the Esplanade, that was all additional lands with other castles of other princesses. Hmm. Oh, Like I said, it was kind of like an Epcot-esque area now built inside of what's currently California Adventure, but you've now expanded Disneyland. And so you left the rest of the park for everything else. And that's not, I I don't have anything against Pixar or Pixar Pier, except for the fact that I think there there could have been a lot better stuff in that Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. Uh, And that's why I said earlier that you know, it may not be popular, especially considering that they just made a Pixar Pier. And I'm not speaking ill of what they did, but I think that should have been a prime location for Batu. That's interesting. Uh, I, I hadn't thought of doing Star Wars back there, but the sightline issue would be greatly improved. Like you said, you know, you would no longer be able to see the convention center across the street mm-hmm. and 
in from many angles you probably wouldn't even be able to see paradise pier hotel which would also yeah. be great <clears throat> um so first of all yes you are cheating uh so shame on you but <laughs> uh you know i'm i'm fine with dreaming big it's blue sky right right yeah so that that's great um so what so would so that's a huge area i think that's it's much bigger than the current footprint for star wars land doing all of pixar pier and it sounds like everything around the paradise gardens paradise park whatever the heck it's called now with goofy sky school and all that stuff right you're taking all that out para pixar park whatever uh it's (laughs) it's where i go and get good pasta uh and are you taking out little mermaid too so I'm thinking about moving Little Mermaid to Fantasyland so that it's closer to the rest of the princesses. You better not touch Pinocchio. Unless, well, okay, no, good. I mean, we would, <laughs> no, no, we can leave okay. Pinocchio. I think we can plus Pinocchio in such a way that it would be better than what yes, it is. Yes, I agree. Okay, so, so. so what I'm saying is that's a huge chunk of land. So are you just making a bigger Galaxy's Edge if you do that? Or are you doing no, no, part no, no. Galaxy's Edge that's... and part something else? No, no, that I would shift Pixar into that little area and just kind of combine it with Cars Land. Into which little area? So, I guess I'm confused. Where do you put Galaxy's the, the Edge? The San Francisco, the San Okay, so Galaxy's oh, Edge would okay. be in the back corner where like the the coaster is and okay. the future uh, emotional Whirlwind. basket coaster yeah. whirlwindy <laughs> thing is Flicks inside be. out yeah. flyers right right unfortunately we would lose world of color because a large portion of that lake would be gone right. essentially where the transition happens where pixar pier is now where you can walk along the pier to enter it so that we keep the lamplight lounge cuz i love the lamplight lounge it's so good like all of that and San Francisco, like the the streets with the wharf and mm-hmm. all that stuff, all of that would kind of become the Pixar area. Okay. You know, so we wouldn't lose Pixar stuff. It would just kind of compress and shift over to the left from where it currently Got it. is. Got it. Okay. So instead of losing uh, Pixar Pier or World of Color, per se, why don't we put something similar in a smaller scale in the middle of where you want to have your princess castles. Oh, yes. That would be really pretty. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Okay. And then let's just level (laughs) um, those two blocks of Harbor Boulevard and let's just keep pushing the park out. And then uh, let's move the Grand Californian to south of Paradise uh, Hotel. Um, let's just go all in and let's make uh, side streets. Yeah, it's all good. We got to make you know what? Disneyland finally, bigger than Disney World. <laughs> they'll have that overhead <laughs> walkway that we were supposed to have the first time. Yeah, we're good. That's true. Over Harbor. That's there true. There we go. There's actually so, yeah. um, in in Dallas, Texas, they um, basically dropped a freeway that goes through downtown like underground and then built a park on top of it for like a mile or something. It's this awesome like long park that goes over a freeway that goes through downtown. And so they could just drop Harbor and Catella and Disney Way underground and then just expand the park out over the top of them. No problem. 
They can't see All... that. They'll see the cast members. <laughs> nah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All roads leading to Mickey and Friends go underground. Yes. Yes. Burrowing like dynamite. Genius. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. I love these kind of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the original plan was for me to pretty much level all of California crazy, and man. almost start from that scratch. That is crazy. Also because <laughs> you're getting but... rid of the roller coaster, which is awesome, and Toy Story Midway Mania, which is also awesome. What if we had a Tron coaster in Tomorrowland? Oh, we're, we're like would you still bargaining want that coaster? now? No, I'm just saying, like, would that still be cool? I mean, I would rather have both coasters, but yeah. I feel like there's so many better things that we can put there bringing in new technology. Sure. Like I get the attraction of having that type of wooden coaster. Well, it's not all yeah. wooden, but I'm just saying there's so many better things that we can bring in sure. and just l- lying it out in that format where you have galaxy's edge on that corner cars land. And then the rest of the Marvel themed area just encloses California Adventure in such a way where you're not losing the magic, you know, the way that you tend to lose it now. And I know in in previous episodes, I've complained about the fact that, you know, um, Mission Breakout, you know, you could see it from anywhere and it kind of breaks the aesthetic of what it looks Mm -hmm. like. Maybe people will argue, well, what about the castles? Well, what about the castles, right? I mean, Disneyland is all about fantasy. I think in this type of situation, people would be more forgiving about seeing the castles than they are about seeing Galaxy's Edge because they know it's Disney. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So if you brought up the edges of the park, then it encloses Galaxy's um, it encloses Mission Breakout a little bit more and in such a way where now it's not such a distraction. And as you're building out the area where the rest of the castles are, then you just create a mini berm for behind the castle. So all you see is trees and you don't see Mission Breakout. So let's talk infrastructure. I like where you're going there. But is there going to be a harbor side entrance to the park if you expand Disneyland the way you want to? I think there has to be. How? Like... There, there, there be. won't be any room if you're going to expand Disneyland South to then, any but meaningful would be degree. Because then you have to build in. Remember the plans that they had for the East Walkway that Mel was yeah. talking yeah. about? That's your entrance, the East Walkway. Okay. So then are you saying that you'll enter the actual park of Disneyland from the East instead of from the South like you currently do? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So that will be. That'll be hard because you're completely changing the experience of entering Disneyland at that point from the train station and entering Main Street. I think it'll be that'll be the biggest challenge, you know, to that idea is making uh, and and if that's the case, also, you'll have people entering from the West in a different spot. You know, I don't think you can feed them both into the same entrance area if you're going to expand Disneyland South across the Esplanade, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that. And what I thought of in the end was personally, I didn't care because (laughs) Disneyland will always be Disneyland and entering on Main Street will be what it is. There's always going to be 
a, a magical moment when you walk under the train tracks and you walk onto Main Street for the first time. Mm-hmm. The addition of the rest of what I would be expanding into California Adventure is like leaving it's almost like kind of leaving the park into a new park that extends the other park. So it's not necessarily Disneyland, but it's Disneyland. It's just, you're going around the world to these other IPs. Mm -hmm. I I, I know that doesn't make sense, but it it does in my head. (laughs) So let's, let's talk crazy here. Wait, so we're not we talking crazy overhead. already? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. I should have said that at the beginning. But let's say we have that overhead entrance. But what if that entrance was the monorail that leads into Disneyland? Mm, uh, I guess bag check and security could be moved so that you don't create a backup of people there. Like yeah. you do at the parking structure. So enclose it in such a way where... There's no way you could leave the park just like it is now with the tram system the way that it is. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could do that. Man, Gavin, now you have me thinking about the whole, like, walking in another (laughs) direction. Yeah. I I still kind of don't care, but now you made me care about it. uh, (laughs) My only thing is that, you know, they want to control their story. They want to control the shot for shot experience you have as you walk into their areas and how it's revealed to you. They do this in all parts of their parks and having the entrance scenario that we're talking about here challenges that in a pretty extreme way, especially Mm. because I don't feel like you can expand Disneyland South and have everybody enter from the same direction if they're going to be allowed to enter from the east still. Okay, you know? new plan. Okay. New plan. All right. We're going to airdrop people what I in. Said. Okay, slide. new plan. <laughs> Forget about what I said Water about slide. moving the castles <laughs> into California Adventure. Okay. The new plan is to put them all behind Toontown and maybe get rid of Toontown. So still okay. same concept. But now instead of only one Mickey ear behind Disneyland, you have two Mickey ears and maybe a hat in the middle yeah. where that entire back part becomes this like go around the world and visit each princess's castle. And they like don't have that. to be castles that you can walk into. It can kind of be like the storybook canal boat ride where you kind of see these little scale models of it or you use force perspective to just make it look like this huge castle yeah. that you can see from the freeway. Like right? the Beast's Castle in magic exactly and like hogwarts in harry potter land like yes you don't actually walk into the full version of that castle you just kind of see it up above and yeah right so now we put everything back there and now the entrance to disneyland semi becomes the end of buena vista street where carthay circle is so we incorporate buena vista and carthay into the story because that's where Walt showed up and then it becomes Main Street USA and then you see Disneyland. This Dang. is like the most mashup mashup of all mashups. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of using everything north of the berm for one big expansion. You know, instead of putting Star Wars there and taking out Toontown gives you that whole land to create some sort of cohesive concept i'm struggling with your 
southward expansion. I think <laughs> it's hard for me to sacrifice parts of DCA. Uh, and, you know, that's the first struggle. Second struggle is going to be conceptually making one bleed into the other if you're going to salvage parts of one. I don't think so, because if we're salvaging, let's say, the Brave area, and it's going right into Batu, if we're getting rid of Little Mermaid, that's trees, dude. Trees and a walkway. Well, no, I get that, but uh, I don't know. I just, like you're talking about, if we make the entrance around the Carthay Circle area, having some sort of a concept of entering there and then walking north through Buena Vista Street and then for whatever you're going to fill in the gap with and then entering Main Street, that's a long walk, first of all. Uh, Second of all, I don't know how you make that story work. What happens in between there? I don't know. I haven't thought that far yet. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, I had to alter my plans because I really like your brave idea. Ah, okay. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like... uh, if anything, like if you could fill in the Esplanade and make that like the new hub and it all becomes one park, like I could kind of get on board with that concept. You know, you could enter from either side and you'd still be entering in the center at the same point and you could radiate toward Disneyland or toward DCA from there and it would give you expansion areas around the Esplanade to add more content and then you could tear down whatever you want in parks and you know rebuild those but i don't know i like if we're thinking like raising things and like completely taking things out like huge areas personally i would get rid of downtown disney and the grand californian and put a third park there you know just yeah get us the disney world resort you know type experience where we've got multiple parks you know you can put up a hotel anywhere like i don't care about the hotels i really don't and i know that's a huge hit against their business model but i don't care and when it comes down to it i really don't care about downtown disney it's nice to have around but if that was more park area i'd be way more into it you know yeah so And the, the problem with downtown Disney is that Garden Walk is just so close. It's across the street, and it's essentially the same thing. Right. I, I get what you're saying. And don't think I didn't think about tearing all that stuff down. Right. Especially considering that the plans for the other hotel that was supposed to be, you know, four times larger and, yeah. you know, this crazy all experience. You know, if that came to fruition somehow, you wouldn't need the Grand Californian there. Yeah. Because you're right, you could build a hotel anywhere. Ultimately, uh, I would take Pixar Pier down. If if all we're going to concentrate on is California Adventure, everything else was more of a pipe dream because I wanted yeah. to shift things around to how they made more sense in my head. Sure. And so that's where the idea of tearing down a portion and making it a part of Disneyland really came from. But uh, if... If were it up to me, I would have put Galaxy's Edge out in that corner. Just mm-hmm. called it a loss with Paradise Pier and, you know, just, okay, it didn't work. Let's move on. Tore it all down. 
made Galaxy's Edge back there, expanded the Pixar area with cars and then whatever else you wanted to do. And then we could have the Brave thing. And then I like the bear idea. So we would have to put the bears in Critter Country because I really like Where, it. Wherever they could go. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that idea. Oh, man, now my brain is working like triple time. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we do these as often as we do. So it kind of gets... Uh, gets our creative outlet. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, this was valuable. I think we all learned a, a very good lesson here, and that's um, don't give Hazen too much rope. Uh, he, will, <laughs> he will use it all. Uh, we maybe should have some, some better parameters next time as he redesigned the entire resort for us. <laughs> See, that's why it's dangerous. You're right. <laughs> it is. Because when you guys said, hey, it's open to anything, my brain just started cranking, and it would not stop. Yeah. I had to walk away from thinking about it and I was working on something else for the better part of the last day and a half because I couldn't stop thinking about That's all funny. the changes that I would make. That's funny. And for me, it was easier to just, okay, Tomorrowland, great. I don't yeah. have to think of anything else. This one, oh, man. See, it's interesting because I I don't know why, but I have many more ideas for Disneyland than I do for DCA. So when we get to some of those areas, I'm going to have much more challenges just like you did on this one because there are some areas that I've thought about for, you know, 20 years now. You know, I'm still fairly new to DCA and I have my, you know, thoughts about it, but I haven't cooked up great schemes for DCA yet. But I have Mm -hmm. epic things that I would do at Disneyland. And I'm looking forward to hearing every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. So if you have any ideas that you want to share with us about what you would change about California Adventure and maybe even Disneyland, who knows? Take the rope. Go run with it. Don't run with scissors, but run with this rope. Tell us your ideas about what you would change and leave them in the comment section over on Instagram. Send us a tweet or on Facebook in the blog post for the episode, podcateers.com slash 245. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that we talked about. Tell me how crazy I am for taking over a portion of California Adventure or by taking all of Pixar Pier down. I don't feel like I'm wrong. I think it would have been a good choice, but that's just me. (laughs) So let me know what you guys think. And uh, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Any closing thoughts from both of you before we close up for today? This was fun. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Gavin? Yeah, no, I I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what Imagineering does with our ideas because, you know, we've proven (laughs) time and time again that the the company in general is listening. Uh, So, you know, uh, may the best man or woman win. So we're going to hear that they're going to move Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, I don't think that one's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no. I think they're going to listen to this one and be like, wow, Hazen. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's a thing he said. Oh, man. (laughs) That's good stuff. All right. (laughs) All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So until next week, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, everyone. Major look. Major look.